Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Help of Hashem, we are learning about the Kamad of Kuv Beis. We left off on the Kuv Beis, Amadalif, at the end of the top line, Amad of Kahana. Let's quickly review what we learned at the end of yesterday's shir. We're learning the sugya of Kedushas Shaviz, produce that is harvested off the field on Shaviz. Firstly, no one really owns their produce. Everything belongs to everyone. On top of that, when you take something off the land in Eretz Yisrael during the Shemitah year, that produce has Kedushas Shviz. Kedusha Shviz expresses itself, number one, that one is not allowed to do business with that produce. And one is linked to the other, as we spoke about yesterday, even the produce that you take off the field and you are allowed to eat, not as an owner, because everything belongs to everyone. But I can take off from my field, so to say, from your field. I can only eat it as long as that type of produce is found in my region, in Eretz Yisrael, out in the fields, available for wild animals. The moment this produce, let's say I took an apple, I can eat it. But if there are no more apples in my region, in Eretz Yisrael, found in the fields, then I have to do biur. I have to either burn it, according to Rambam, or according to Teisvis and other Rishonim, I have to take it out of my home and declare it hefker, declare it ownerless. The question that we are speaking about is wood, Eitzim. Is there the Kedusha Shviz on Eitzim? So what we learned yesterday is the following. That when the Torah says in Parshas Bahar that that the land should be resting for you to eat. So we learned that when is Kedusha's Shviz Chal? When does it take effect? On what does it take effect? On things that are like food. What's the food? So the Gemara said the words, food is something that shahana asam ubiyuram shavin, which means that its benefit coincides with its consumption. What is food? When you eat it, you enjoy it, and you are consuming it. So things whose benefit comes at the same time as its consumptions are things that even if you're not going to mamish eat it, but they are also included in Kedusha Shviz. Can't do business with it. You have to be mevayed it at that time. And the example that we gave was if a person is going to take the Sfiche Satim Vekoitza. So we spoke of that. That is called Safflower and Wode. And people make out of that dyes. Being that when you make dye, when is this product consumed? when it's in the pot, getting cooked with someone's garment, so this woad is becoming consumed, but at that time you're benefiting from it. So there is the din of Kedusha Shviz on these items, which would mean that you're not allowed to sell it, that you're not allowed to have it once this type is no longer in the field, which is why we learned in the Braisa that don't even harvest it. How can you use it? You might be able to use it temporarily, but the dye is going to stay on the garments when these items are no longer out in the field. However, when it comes to wood, we learn there is no Kedusha Shriya on wood to begin with, which means you can actually use it. You can gather it and you can sell it. There's no Chi of Beard. Why? Because when you use wood to cook with, to bake with, first you have to make the wood into coal. And only after it's turned into coal, only after the wood is consumed, then the benefit from that coal. So the hana, the, the benefit and the consumption is not at the same time. So to begin with, Kedusha Shriyas is not hal. So to which the Gemara asked, one second, there are certain wood types that are very oily, for example, pine wood, that people gather these woods not to put into the oven, or to put it under the pots, but they use it as torches. And you, your benefit, which is the light, which comes from this wood, and its consumption comes at the same time, will that be prohibited to use? To which the Gemara concluded, that was where we left off, Amar Rava, that even if you gathered wood for a torch, because it's an oily wood, it's Eitzim the Mishkan. Nevertheless, since Stam, Eitzim Oindim, which means since the majority of wood, the general status of wood that it is meant to be used for firewood. So your specific intent, it doesn't matter. It's called Batla Daitoi Eitzel Adam. I don't care what you think. 
Stam Eitzim is Lahasaka. So even if you gathered this wood to use it as a torch, and Luchura, you can argue, well, if that's the case, then the Kedusha Shviz should be Chal on this wood, which means there's Kedusha on it, you can't do business with it, you have to right away get rid of it by this man beard. So Rav says, it's not that case, we're lenient. Because Stam Eitzim Lahasaka Nino, Hasaka means firewood for cooking or baking. Firewood for cooking or baking is something in which Hanaasim Ubiyurim are not shoving. So they don't go into the category of Peter Shviz. That's where we left off yesterday. Baruch HaTu Adino, Yelohinu, Melech HaElum, Shachakon, Levedvari. How about incense? L'chuura, when it gets burnt, it makes a scent and you enjoy it. We'll see something similar to incense that the Gemara is going to speak about in a moment, in which we'd say it doesn't come together. So hold that thought, that's a good question. I think that by incense, Imamish benefit when it comes out. We'll see in a moment, they used to take wine, certain aromatic wines, and they used to sprinkle it around the house for there to be a pleasant aroma around the house. There we say that it's not ke'echad, it's not at the same time. Because when you throw it, it's right, you already can't drink it. And the good scent comes a little bit, it's a delayed reaction. I think that you're an incense, what you have in mind, when you burn something, l'chud, it's more direct. But that will be the, at least the concept. That if it is Hanaasim Abu Yuram Shavin, then Chal Alayu Kedusha Shviz. And if it's not Shavin, it's not like Lo'achla, it's not Chal. Now, what we have here is something Gavaldik. There are two versions in the next word in this Gemara. And that's quite common. But what's very unusual is that Rashi over here, and Rashi himself in the Sechta Sukkah, has a different Girsa. Rashi Mesech Sukkah quotes what he writes over here, the version that we have over here. And Rashi writes, and I'm quoting his words, V'tarachti minu'urai, that I bothered myself since when I was young. Bechol tzidei hashas, looking throughout the entire shas, liyashva kfidivereim, to allow the version that we will learn now stand. And Rashi says, ve'eni yachal, and I was unable. So Rashi in Sukkah quotes a version that he heard from Rabbeinu Gershon ben Yehuda. And Rashi in Sukkah reads this Gemara differently. Now remember, it wasn't that long ago when we learned Sukkah. We spoke out Rashi Sukkah when we learned Sukkah. For those who were not there then, God willing, I think in four and a half years or a bit more, we'll get back to the Masechta Sukkah. We're going to learn this Sukkah the way Rashi learns it in Sukkah. Here in Bavakama, we're going to learn the version that Rashi has over here. That Rashi himself said later that he couldn't make it work. Now this is a very known Sukkah simply for time constraints, and also not to confuse people, after we spoke out this clear introduction, it's going to be very easy to understand how we will learn Rashi right over here. So Rashi says that the next words, Amar Kahana, you see in Dafkov Beis, is not the words Ve'etzim. That Rashi adds here the words Stam Eitzim Lahasak. In other words, Rashi here, and we're going to stop saying here, Rashi understands that Rav Kahana is continuing what Ravah just said. So Kuf Beis is a Hemshech Rava said, explaining why Eitzim, the Mishchan, will never be included in Kedusha Shviz, even though you will use it in a way where Hana Asim Yuram are shoving, because Stam Eitzim Lahasakan Inu, but Ladaitoi, and if you remember, just to finish the words of introduction, we learned Rashi yesterday inside. So Rashi makes a Gavaldike synopsis. And Rashi says like this, when it comes to the dyes that we spoke about, to the Satim and Koitzam, every, everyone gathered it for dye. Dying is something that Hana Asim Yuram are shoving. When it gets consumed, you get benefit. However, Rashi just wanted to point out that we did acknowledge that when it comes to the, to the, uh, to the kanim, to the leaves, to the ali kanim and ali gefanim, since some people use it to feed to the animals, and some people use it for fuel, that is something that has dual use, something that halachically has dual use, the one who picks it has the power to determine whether it will be included in Kedusha Shviyas or not. What did you pick it for? What was your kavana? And that was what we learned in the Braisa. That if Liktem La'achla, that was what we learned yesterday, then it's included in Kedusha Shviyas. If Liktem, to use for fuel, then it's like wood, which we're saying over here is never included in Kedusha Shviyas. So says Rav Kahana that the Eitzim Lahasaka, that this concept, that if something wood, 
We are saying that something is generally used for one purpose. Even if you individual have something else in mind, your kavana does not affect it. Your kavana can only affect something that everyone has dual use for. Ah, if everyone has it for dual use, then your kavana makes a difference. But that since most people use it for firewood, even if you gathered it, it's pine wood, it's oily wood, and you want to use it for a torch, it doesn't matter. That is a machlek is tanoyim. The tanyo, it says in Abrais. You cannot hand over produce of Shvita, not to use it for soaking. They used to, you know, when flax grows and you want to tur- turn it into linen, you have to make it a lot softer. Even after linen is softer, it's still not that soft. But how did they do it then? They used to take flax, which is the plant, they used to soak it in large vats, they used to add wine in it or other liquids that come from fruits. For many days, Rashi says, two or three days. And after that period of time, the flax became very delicate. And then they were able to turn it into proper linen. So can you use wine that, that you gathered on the Shemitah year or not? If there's Kedusha Shviz, Rashi says that's called doing business. And as we explained yesterday, it's not that you're doing business by soaking it. You're going to have garments. Then you're going to sell the garments. But the moment that grape will no longer be found in the field, then the obligation of biur will go now on the garment. So how can you use it? Likewise, you cannot use it for laundering. Same thing, you know, today we have detergent. What do you think the detergents were then? Many of the detergents were fruits, were liquids that came from fruits. So you cannot use it, that's the Tanakama. However, I'll just, you'll, you'll notice right now, this is very important in Rashi here, that in our words of introduction, and when we spoke about yesterday of Hana'asam Ubiyuram Shavin, if we're going to apply it over here, you're going to see that it doesn't exactly apply over here. When you put the wine in the vat, you right away consume the wine. When does the wine effectively turn the linen into flax? Two or three days later. It doesn't happen at the same time. Same thing when you launder clothing. The moment you put, let's say, if you're using wine to launder clothing, I don't know how that worked, but that's what they did. So the moment you put it into the vat, the wine you can't drink anymore. But your clothing are only cleaned after it goes through the wash. It's maybe not two or three days, but it's not at the same time. Here we are not using this concept to say whether Kedusha Shviz is Chal or not. We're going to use this concept in a complete different way, as you'll see in a moment. But hold it first, the din. You cannot use it, neither for soaking nor for laundering. Rabbi Yossi says, yes, that Neustin Peter Shviz, Lutei Hamishra, you are allowed to use, let's say, wine, put it into a soaking vat, or Lutei Hakavusa, or for laundering. Now, what is the underlying question over here? So what we'll do right here is if you want to count, it's important. Take Rashi 19 lines from the top and let's read Rashi inside, beginning with the line, Vahainu Tanoi. says Rashi, Vahainu Tanoi. Now obviously, we're not ignoring what we're about to learn in the Gemara, that the Gemara is going to tell you that the Machloik is between the Tanakam and Abiyosi is based on Psukim. Very good. But, but, and we're going to get there. And that's the main source of their argument. But there's a certain Sfada that is directly linked to this logic of Stam Eitzim Lahasok. Vahainu Tanoi says Rashi, the Rabbanon, the Tanakam of this Braisu Sovri, Stam Peres Lachilam. Just like Stam Eitzim Lahasok, Stam Peres Lachilam. And as we learned, since Stam Peres Lachilam, when you eat something, Hanaasim Ubiyurim Arshavim, you know, there is Kedusha Shviz, that's the Lachla. And v'chailu alayu kedusha shviz, kedamirin aleil. The whole davar shanaasi biyurei shavin chailu. Now, what happens if a person is going to gather fruit not to eat it, or grapes not to make wine to drink? You're gathering the grapes to use it for your flax, for your linen, or for your laundry. Does your kavana change the status of the produce? The Ilkach says the Chachamim afilu likton lemishra vechavisa. It's mamish like the eitzim the mishkan, just like the oily wood. Even if you gathered it lemishra or lekavisa, leimahanya machshav lafuki yisuran. Your kavana is batladaitim. We say the concept that of stam most people use it for this purpose, that you cannot change its function because you intended otherwise. That is only used if there is for everyone a dual purpose. 
Right? That's something else. Like when we spoke about the leaves of Kanem and the leaves of, of, of Gefanem. Dual purpose, your Kavana counts. But if Stam most people, then we say Batladaitai. Unlike the leaves that have dual purpose. Since we're in Rashi, So number one, Now, we're going to go to the step number two. Now this is where people get tripped up, and we will not get tripped up. So number one, stam, fruit, lachila, your kavana is irrelevant. So there is kedusha shviz. Now today we're learning another din that's also connected to the concept of hanaasim ubiyure shavin. This is not about whether it's included in kedusha shviz or not, but it's regarding another din. And let's read it inside the Rashi that. The reason why you cannot use it, you are only allowed to benefit from something that already has on it Kedusha Shviz if you are benefiting it like you benefit from food, which means that when you eat the food, you consume it and you benefit it at the same time. The Gabi, now when, what happens when you launder clothing? You benefit from it, let's speak about when your clothing gets clean, but you consumed it right away. Same thing with the flax. The flax turns into linen two or three days later. You consumed it, you ruined it right away. So even before the Zman Habir, you're not allowed to use it all together. But once something is included in Kedusha Shviz, now we're learning another application of Havana Asim of Yudam Shavin, which is you can only eat it or consume it if your consumption is like eating it. But the moment you're using it in a way where the Hanan and the Biyur are not at the same time, then again, then even before Zman Biyur, you're not allowed to use it. So that's why the Tanakhama says, you're not allowed to use it. That's we can go right now. Rabbi Yossi is going to hold that we don't say Stam Peirois La'achila. Meaning, yeah, most people harvest grapes to eat. But even in that area, even by grapes, if you gathered it with the kavana to use it for laundering. So we're going to say that you're, you gathered it for something that the beard and the hana are not coming at the same time. So lechatchila, the kedusha of shviz is not chal on it. So you're allowed to use it. So that's where you see a machlekes tanoim, according to Rashi's version, whether you say stam eitzim lasaka. It's going to happen that according to Rabbi Yossi, we don't say stam eitzim lasaka. And therefore, when we learned yesterday about the Eitzim, the Mishkan, if a person gathers pine wood, that's oily, and he gathered it in order to use it as a torch, we say, according to Rabbi Yaisi, that Kedusha Shviz will be chal on it. And therefore, you can't do business with it. And therefore, you yeah, have by Zman Habir to be it. Now, you can use it. You can use it because you're using it like the Lachla. Hanoasim, Ubiyuram, if you use wood for torch, you're consuming it and you're getting benefit from its night. But the concept of Batla Daitai, since Tam, Rabbi Yesi doesn't hold off. Now let's go back inside the Gemara. Now the Gemara says, My Tamid Rabbanon. Where did the Rabbanon have a source in the Torah for the Halacha? Because since the Torah says in Bahar again, Lochem, Loachla. means only to eat, but not to use Lamishna Balaylachla. Now again, you cannot use it Lamishna. You cannot use it Likavusa if it's included in Kedusha Shviz. But it is included in Kedusha Shviz because Tam Peris Lachila. So now that it's in included in Kedusha Shviz, but you're not using it like Kedusha Shviz, you're not allowed to use it altogether. The Rabbi Omar, no. The Torah says the words Lochem. Lochem is an inclusionary word. Lochem is to teach you that you can use it for many other things. Again, that only works the way Rashi explained. It only worked because since when you gathered it, your kavana was to use it for a detergent. Your kavana was to use it to make flax into linen. So it's lechatchila, not included in Kedusha Shviz. And therefore, your kavana counts. And therefore, since it's not included, there's no problem with beard. Very good. Which is why you can use it to make flax. And the benefit of the flax will last for 10 years. After Zman Abir, it doesn't matter. 
it says the words lochem, which is an inclusionary word. So he says lochem, yeah, but lochem only dumadil lachla. No, it's meaning that you can use things not only if you're eating it, but you can only use it up until the time of beer, which is what the shavin. Even if you're not going to eat something, but you will use it for a purpose that you consume it and you benefit from it at the same time, then you can use Peter not only for eating. Which is like, for example, the Ale Kanem, the Ale Gefanem, like we learned yesterday. That if you are using it for, what was the other option for animal, for animal food? Okay, that's animal food. But we're going to give other examples. Or let's go to a torch, this concept. That if you use something and you're consuming it at the same time that you are eating it, then until this manbir, you can also benefit from it. Yatsu Mishra, that excludes soaking or kvusa laundering, Shanazurim, that the Hanasim comes after the beer. The Rabbi Yisinami says the word la'achla, la'achla should exclude, yes, that excludes what? La'achla, if a person is going to take from Pei something and make out of it some sort of anointment for medicinal purposes, that is something that you're not allowed to do. Same reason. Because the moment you put it on your flesh, it's no longer, you can't eat it anymore. It's already consumed. But when will it heal you? A little bit later. So you cannot use it. You cannot, you cannot use something. It's, today is about the function. You cannot use something that is perishviz if the achila and the ano don't come together. The hana and the beer don't come together. Why are you excluding melugma? Why don't you exclude laundering? Which is a great question. You're both using it. You're not using it to eat. Its consumption is not at the same time of your benefit. So why one yeah and one not? So he says, Lochem is including. Achila is excluding. So I'm excluding melugma. I'm including kivusa. So homani makaim la achla, lachla melugma. That when you have an inclusionary word and an exclusionary word, we would like to include something that everyone uses. Everyone launders their clothing. Not everyone is wounded. And even people who are wounded, not everyone gets healed by putting an anointment that was made from produce. And again, the Tanoim is that Rashi explained, and again, to point out that Mirza Shema will get to Masech to Sukkah, we're going to see that Rashi has a different version in the beginning of the Gemara. Omar Afkahana doesn't begin Stam Eitzim La so he's not continuing from what Rava said. He's starting a new topic, and the whole flow of the Gemara here is different, and in Mirza Shema, Sukkah Daf Mem, we're going to learn Rashi the way he learns it over there. Now, says the Gemara, Kamana Az Tanya Melugma. The Braise that says that something that comes from Pradeshvis cannot be used for a anointment for medicinal purpose. purposes. La'akhla excludes Veloy Laziluf. That you cannot use, like we said, wine, aromatic wines were used to sprinkle around the house to give a pleasant aroma. La'akhla Veloy Lasis, Apiktoizin was a minig of the Romans, those gluttons, and it's a composite of Apik Tfei Zoin. It makes you vomit. Too much food. They loved eating so much that they ate. They wanted to eat more. So they made these concoctions which came from food. They swallowed it. It made them throw up all their food. So now they have room to eat more. Mishagayim. So bottom line over here is that when you swallow it, you consumed it. It makes you vomit a minute later. All of these things cannot be used with Peter Shviz. No, it's even something that has on it Kedusha Shviz. If you're using it for a function that the Hanan, the Vir, don't come shoving, you cannot use it. So says the Gemara, who is this Braisa? This Braisa has to be like Rabbi Yossi. Because if the author of this Braisa would have been the Rabbanan, the Braisa would have added that you can't use wine for Mishra and Kavusa. Now, by the way, even though the author of the Braisa is Rabbi Yossi, the Hachanan agree with everything that it says in this Braisa. It's just that the Chachamim have other exclusions because the Chachamim holds stamp fruit is la'achila and therefore even if you pick the fruit to use it for laundry I don't care what you had in mind to begin with 
it's included in Kedusha Shviz. Rabbi Yossi, just to, to conclude again, he doesn't hold of the concept of Stam Eitzim La'asaka. He doesn't hold of the concept of Stam Peres La'achila. He holds that every individual's kavana will affect the purpose for what you're gathering the fruit for. And if you gathered grapes in order to make it into a detergent, since detergent is something so you can use it. Even though when you're using it, you're not consuming it and bedding it from the same time. Who cares? To begin with, there was no Kedusha Shviyas on it. Okay, moving on. By the two dots. Now, we're going back to the Mishnah. The Mishnah we had on Daf Kufa Medbeis. Let's speak out the case of the Mishnah again. That you have a dyer, professional person who dyes garments. I, you have a Baal Habayis who owns wool. He goes over to a dyer and he says, Dyer, here's my wool, dye it red. And he deviated. He made it black, dyed black, he dyed it red. So number step Rav Meir. Rav Meir holds that deviating is like a robber. It's not as bad as a robber. You can say, okay, he didn't ganva, but it's like a robber. And the din of a robber is that when you make a shinui, you're kaina. So who owns now the dyed wool? The dyer. What does he have to replace? What's the rule by Gezela, by Geneva, that if what you stole is no longer the way it is when you stole it, you have to give him back the money as it was, Keshasa Gezela. He has to give him back the value of the wool. Now, when we learned the Mishnah in Davkuf, we learned it Sunday, we have Dafin over there, we spoke out the Mishnah. Let me just make a clarification. We learned the Mishnah the way Rabbeinu Peretz learns it. So I said, and what happens according to Rav Meir, if the owner of the wool says, you know what, you made a, you made a change, I, okay, I'll take it the way you made it. So we said, Rabbeinu Peretz holds, that the dyer's change was coined so much that he owns it, the dyer. And he, and he sells it to him for whatever price he wants. Rashi doesn't agree with that. Make it clear. We're, we're going to learn the Gemara according to Rashi. Rashi says that if the owner of the wool says, I agree to pay you $10 to dye it red, you, you dyed it black, if he says, you know what, give it to me black, he has to give him the whole $10. Also, not so good. Either he gets the value of the wool, or he has to pay him the money they agreed. Comes along Rabbi Yehuda and he says, we mean, this is, we're going to stay with that, that theoretically he agrees with Rav Meir that a deviator is like a robber. And yes, Shino Yiskaina. But you can't allow this person who deviated to benefit. So Rabbi Yehuda says, the dyer does not get to keep the dyed wool. The owner of the wool will not pay him the full $10. And you have to look into how much expenditure, how much did it cost the dyer to dye it, what are the expenses, the wood, the dyes. You also have the day that, the, you know, he worked. Whether that's included in the Yitzhiya, we spoke about that quickly or not, that's a machlek yisrishaynim, doesn't matter the details. Then you also have the improvements. How much was the wool worth before? How much is it worth now? And you look, whichever one is a lesser amount of money, says Rabbi Yehuda, that is what the owner of the wool pays to the dyer, and he takes his... Wrongly colored wool. Says the Gemara. So as a simon, says the Gemara, simon saban, samach beiznun. These are letters. Look how important it is in the Gemara to remember the Beshem Oimrei. So samach is the third letter in Rabbi Yosef. The beiz is Abba, the beiz and the Abba. The nun is the nun in Navhuna. We want people to remember that the authors here. So Yosef, Rab Yosef, Achoyre, the Rab Abba. So Rab Yosef was sitting behind Rab Abba, who was sitting in front of Rab Huna. So Rab Huna's teaching, and the first Talmud, so to say, was Rab Abba, and behind Rab Abba was Rab Yosef. In those days, the greater the student, the more upfront. The opposite of today. Today, a good teacher, not to lose the student. If the student is a bissel shvacher, you put the student closer upfront. All the students then know no one was shvach. No one had a concentration issue. That's the way it worked. You're better, you're closer. So that's what you want to have that in. So it was Rav Yosef behind Rav Abba, who were both sitting in front of Rav Huna. And Vyasev Rav Huna, the teacher, right? We spoke about Rav Huna. Ultimately, he became the successor of Rav, right? In the yeshiva in Surah, Vika Amar. And he said two statements. Number one, Halacha Kerbe Yeshua ben Karcha. See, these were these great people. He didn't even tell you which Rabbi Shua ben Karcha. Can you imagine? In other words, these Talmidim, they knew the whole Teresh of Alpeh. And they knew there was one Machlaikis in which it's not clear who is the Halacha like. That is what Rafuna meant. And the Halacha is like our Rabbi Yehuda, as we'll see in a moment. So says the Gemara, the moment he made that statement, Ahadrinu Rabbi Yosef, the one in the second row, 
he himself was a giant. He disagreed with Rav Huna to the point that he turned his head away. When they were upset, when they disagreed, turned his face away. Oh. And Omar and Rabbi Yosef said, that Rav Huna needed to make that statement that it's, it makes sense. He already knew what he's talking about and he agreed, but he appreciated that there was a need for him to say it. Because I would have thought that Oh, however, so the Gemara says, for people like us, what are they talking about? Which Rabbi Shua ben Karcha? So now the Gemara interrupts. Rabbi Shua ben Karcha, Mayhi the Tanya. Rabbi Shua ben Karcha, Emer, Milva Bishtar. There's a din. We learn in Avayda Zara that Shloisha Yomam Lifnei Eidayim, the three days before a Goyesha holiday, a holiday that's celebrating an idol, like Kratzmach or Chodayma, don't do business with the Goyim, because they will thank Kaviyachal. Their God with a minuscule G, that wow, that they did a good business. And that includes getting payment from them. Healthy people, when they paid back their debt, not when they receive, when they pay their debt, they're grateful. So if an Oyved Avedozara owes you money, already from three days before their holiday, don't receive payment from them. So Rabbi Shua ben Karcha limited that. And he says that's only correct if the loan is documented. Because if you won't take payment now, you'll have proof and you'll take payment after their kratzmach. But Milval Peh, if it's a loan that's not documented and he wants to pay you back right now, and you're going to say, no, no, I don't want to pay you back right now, let this guy go into his yontiv with the headache that he still owes me money. Who says he'll pay you after yontiv? Now, even though it's only das yachid, so therefore, we needed the Rav Huna to say a chiddush halacha kemoisi. El halacha ke Rabbi Yehuda lamali. Why did we need the great Rav Huna to tell me halacha ke Rabbi Yehuda of our Mishnah when we everyone knows it? Why? Because machlekes v'charkach stami. There's a rule whenever Rebbe in the Mishnayos quotes a machlekes tanoim, and afterwards, this is in the sequence, he quotes a Mishnah. He writes a Mishnah that only expresses the opinion of one. First there was a machlekes, then it's stam. Rebbe did it in such a way to tell you halachik is stam. And machlekes, v'charkach stam, halachik is stam. And why is this a machlekes, v'charkach stam? Because the machlekes is here in Bavakama. Machlekes in Bavakama. As, and we're quoting the Mishnah, let's boil that if he told, uh, dye the dye or dye it, the red, and he deviated and he dyed it black, black and he dyed it red, Rebbe says that the deviation is like a robber, robber, shino, shino, is kaina. So the dyer owns it. He has to pay him the value of the wool, the mate samurai. And Abi Yehuda doesn't want this dyer who deviated to benefit, so he penalizes him and he tells him, no, that the owner of the wool takes his dyed wool. And he will never have to pay the owner, the dyer, whatever they agreed upon. He pays him, as we learned, if the expense was more than the, uh, if the improvement is more than the expense, pay him the expense. If the expense is more than the improvement, pay from the improvement. And says Rabbi Yosef, next Masech, the Masech was above We're going to learn a Mishnah that says Stam, Kol Hamishana Mamish this case, that's what it means. Whoever changes from what they agreed upon to do, then they lose. Meaning, you take the Shabbat, you take the Yitzia, whichever one is less, and you get the less. And the Mishnah then also says, Whoever reneges, there in Bava Metziah, we're going to learn two pshatim. I'll tell you the second pshat. Normally, by, when, when something is sold, king and Kesev, the rule is that even if you only give one pruta, as the Kenyan, you acquired the whole, the acquisition happened, and you owe the rest of the money. But there are exceptions to that rule. This Mishnah is speaking about the exception to the rule. So if I'm selling you a field that's worth $1,000, for example, and you gave me 100 in the scenario where you did not acquire the whole field, you only acquired the amount of field equivalent to the 100 since the transaction began, whoever now will renege will lose out. Whatever, more details above him, it's here. So, bottom line is, it's a machlekes, which is kolamashana, yodayalatachtoina. So, who needed Rafuna to say, Allah kerabi So, he was upset. Meaning, we knew already that Allah said, Yeah, we know, there's a rule. So, he's not disagreeing with him. No. I don't need Rafuna to teach us this. Wow. Yes. Amazing. Says the Gemara, one second. Verafuna, yeah. Verafuna is Rafuna did need to teach it. Sakadai, the Khamina, these are good rules. These are easy Gemara's now. Ain't say the Lamishna. 
It's mamish like today. When we went to Cheder today, I didn't begin with brachas. Elam Metzias. Rebbe, when he taught, let's go over here, what we just started today's daf, that Rashi has a version in Bava Kama, and he learns the Gemara, hopefully we gave it over well, the way he learns it, and a Masech Tosuka, which is way before Bava Kama in our current Seder, Rashi says that since he's young, he's trying to make this work, and he has kashas on it, and he changes the version. Rashi didn't teach the Shas Allah Seder. We don't learn the Shas Allah Seder. Mishnayis are not Allah Seder. So, Machlek is Stam, how do you know that the Rebbe taught Bava Kama and then he taught Bava Metziah? Maybe it was the opposite. Maybe it's a stam v'achakach machloikes. V'astam v'achakach machloikesi. What about the Rabbi Yosef? Rabbi Yosef says, how can you... Rabbi Yosef says, how can you have such a rule? If you don't know what comes first, there's no v'achakach. He called machloikes v'achakach stam and maybe he didn't say the Mishnah. And maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's a stam v'achakach machloikes. So the first white line in the bottom, Rafuna says, no, no, no. Rafuna says, ki lo yamrinin ain't say the l'mishnah machada m'sechta. In one m'sechta, we can't say ain't say the l'mishnah. In one m'sechta, they didn't begin with Elam and Sias. They began with Shnai Merchsen. Not like today. It's in one m'sechta, Rebbe went from Pedic Aleph, and all the Bavas, it's 10 Parakim, it's interesting, until the 10th Pedic. And if in one m'sechta, first there's a Machlaik, it's a Machlaik, it's a Machlaik, it's a but from two Mesechtas, we can say, ain't say the Lomishnah. So, oh, one second, Rabbi Yosef didn't know that. We quoted this when we started Daf Beis and Bava Kama. Rabbi Yosef holds, Kula Nizakin Chada Mesechtai. That all the three Babas used to be one Mesechta. And the way we'll learn Pshat in the Gemara, that's a Machloikis, Rafun and Rabbi Yosef. So, according to Rabbi Yosef, all the three Babas were one Mesechta. It was called Mesechtas Nizikin. So therefore, in one Mesechta, there is a Seder. And in this Seder, Bava Metziah came after Bava Kama, even though it didn't have that name. And therefore, it's a Machleikas V'charkach Stam. I don't need you, Rafuna, to tell me something that's obvious. According to Rafuna, it was from the beginning three Mesechtas, and maybe Bava Metziah was taught before Bava Kama. V'yibay Yusema, Mishum diktani lagabe hilchasa psikasa, kola mashana yodei ala tachtoina, v'archala choyzebo yodei ala tachtoina, Rabbi Yosef's problem was, you're right, could be take, it was not taught on the order. Could be. But he had another reason why it's obvious that that's the halacha. Because the second Mishnah that we quoted today in Bava Metziah, what does it say in Bava Metziah? Kol HaMashana Yodei Alatachtoina, which is our case. And then it says, Kol HaChoyzer. So quickly we gave the example, I sold you a field for a thousand dollars, you gave me a hundred. In the event where you, would, you, did, you did not acquire the whole field, you only acquired $100 worth. Still, you can't, we cannot renege. We have to go through with the end of the transaction. That is something that no one argues on. So if Rebbe learns two dinim, the second din is a din that there's no machlekes in, which obviously means that's the halacha. The other din, the first one that he included in the same Mishnah, is like the second, that's the halacha. So that's another reason why Rabbi Yosef knew anyways that halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda. So he was disappointed that he went to a shir and he heard something that for him was obvious. Let's go back to Tan Rabbanan. We learned Hanoisin. Yeah, Tan Rabbanan Hanoisin Mois Lishluchai. Oh, we're starting such a good sugya. We have time to finish it. If a person gave money to his agent, here a shliach doesn't only mean an agent. Here we're speaking about partners. We're speaking about what we call the investor, who's the one who came up with the money. The other partner is the one who's going to do the work, and they made an agreement that they're going to share the profits. The problem is, is that the investor, not the owner of the money, but the worker deviated. Kabbalah, a question. What happens then? So, turning the page. Let's call the investor the one who had the money. The investor and the one who's going to do the work is called the shliach, but he's not really a shliach. He's, he's an equal partner if he did what he was asked to do. And for example, the deal was buy wheat. And the genius bought uh, barley. Or he tells him, buy barley. And he bought wheat. So here, and I'm clear, right? Rashi says, right? The ideal would be that they were 50-50 on the profits. So Tanah says, that if the investment depreciated, all of the loss is the agents. And if this investment actually appreciated, made geld, all of the money belongs only to the agent. Now, so let's right away say, if deviating is like a robber, so the moment, like Rav Meir, 
the moment he bought the wrong produce, the shliach acquired all the money, so he owes that money to the investor. But the produce is all his. If you're gonna learn like Rabbi Yehuda, the knas, what he's gonna benefit because he deviated, and we're not gonna equate a deviator to a robber, then the money still belongs to the original owner. Or at least the agreement was 50-50, it belongs to both. So the first b'raise we'll see is for sure Rav Meir. So he acquired the money, so the produce belongs to the shliach. So whatever happens is the shliach's for good or for bad. He owes the money, the original money. It's, it's as if he stole it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is there no involved? Because, he, because he's not a ganav. Exactly. Because he didn't steal it like a ganav. He just changed the deal. He deviated. Okay, and v'tani chada, and the second b'raise, this is such a good sugi here. Im pachasu pachasu yes. Of course, if there was a depreciation, the shliach who deviated should be the only one to carry the burden. Because who asked you to deviate? But if there was hoisiru, but if there was a appreciation, if there was, if there was a revach, hoisiru lehemza. So says Rabbi Yechanan, that's a stira. So Rabbi Yechanan said what we, we spoke out, what Rabbi Yechanan said. Like Ash, ha, the first one is Rav Meir, the second one is Rabbi Yehuda. Ha, Rav Meir, the first one is Rav Meir that holds shinui kainem. He's not a ganav, but he's like a ganav. He deviated, he's kind of, and therefore, like we spoke out, the money belongs now, the, the chitim or the item belongs to the shliach. However, the second one is Rabbi Yehuda, that says, shini ain't a kind of. That's called chain. Okay, okay. So that's what the Gemara is telling you, that buying the wrong article is called a deviation. So therefore, deviation does not affect acquisition. If deviation, according to Rabbi, does not affect acquisition, who owns the product that they bought now? Both. So is, if it's both, then even depreciation should be on both. But on the other hand, you penalize him like in our Mishnah. He's not going to get away by deviating. So that was the penalty. That if there's a loss, he bears the loss himself. If there's a profit, it's split in the middle. Mask of blood. Let's consider what, what would have happened had he bought the chitin? No. Interesting. No. We look at it right now. You know what's B'chala Rula and Halacha? That there could have been more profit. You know when we say Hefzid Merubah? That you could have made more money is not taken into account. Okay, I'm sure this is discussed. Okay, now, Rabbi Lazar challenges Rabbi Yechanan. Why are you dafka insisting that both Rabbi I will tell you, only maybe when do we say that a deviator, deviation acquires, oh, very good, that's what you were saying. When do we say that deviation is an acquisition? If the deviation is of great significance, which is, if I have wool, and I want to put on a black kapata, and you make me a red kapata. Thank God no one went to that yet. <laughs> so that's mama is something that I cannot make benefit of. Don't forget in business, if you're not doing something for your own use, the goal of business, I'm not, I'm not here to eat it, for me to say, I want wheat, I don't want barley. It's to make money. So maybe a deviation is not that significant. When you want it, so take, it's a real, it's called a shinoi. In other words, maybe even Avmer will hold that a deviation doesn't affect an acquisition. So Rabbi Loza says, oh, perfect. Say that both b'raises have a meir. And we're like, Asher. Khan, the first b'raise is when a person tells a shliach, buy me wheat to eat. People, for me, I want wheat, I don't want barley. Or if I want barley, I don't want wheat. So that deviation is taka considered the big deviation. So it affects acquisition. So therefore it belongs to the shliach. Khan, the second one was only the schayda. Gavaldik. So according to Rabbi Lazar, it's a big difference. According to Rabbi Lazar, I mean, the b'raisa makes sense, but it's not because deviation doesn't affect acquisition. According to Rabbi Lazar in the second b'raisa, deviation affects acquisition. But this is not considered a deviation. Big deal, wheat, barley. It's about business. You bought a different article. It's not deviation enough to acquire it. So says the Gemara that Machaku Allah When in Eretz Yisrael, the B'nai Ma'arava heard Rabbi Yechanan's a solution, let's speak about the second b'raisa. They laughed at him, they disagreed with him. And they said, now this is so good. This is the key of the whole sugya. We should finish it on time. When you buy something with someone else's money, and the seller is selling it to you, but they don't know that the money is not yours, who acquires it? Does the seller need to know that you're representing someone? No. Or, so let's see over here. So they told him, according to Rabbi Yehuda, 
Again, according to Rabbi Yehuda, he learned the second Braiso, that deviation does not affect acquisition. And whose money is it? The Balhamois. Good. But when the person is buying it, as we'll speak out, since he deviated, he should no longer be the Shliach. Because you can't say Shluch HaShalad so he's not doing what he was asked to do. The money is not his. Because according to the way Rabbi Yechanan learned the second Braise, it goes according to Rabbi Yehuda that holds the deviation does not affect an acquisition. He's not a proper shliach. So when the seller sold it to him, how can the first one acquire part of it? To say that if there's profit, he splits in an half. How did he acquire it altogether? The, the intent of the seller isn't, the seller thought he's selling it fully to the shliach. It should fully belong to the shliach. The chimi idea of chitim who told to the seller, to the original owner of the Balchitim, he doesn't even know there's a Balamois. I think we're going to go back and forth and clarify this. So we just gave it all by heart. In a case where you're a shliach doing what you were told to do, if you come and buy something from me and you're someone else's shliach, even if I don't know that, that, that that's the other person's money, since you're their shliach, of course they acquire it. You're them. You're an extension of them. But here for sure there's deviation enough from Chitim to Sa'irim that you're not their shliach. And even if you're going to hold like Rabbi Yehuda, deviation doesn't make you acquire the money. Okay, so the money is his, but I don't know that. And I need to know that. And if I don't know that, how does he acquire it? So now the Gemara is going to challenge the Bnei Marova. So Sasrati to the Bnei Marova. Iachi, one second. If the seller needs to know who the owner is, Afilu Chitim Chitim Namiloi. Even if the shliach did what he was told to do, the seller has to know who's the owner of the money. So Rabbi says, no, that don't compare that. If the person buys what he was asked to buy, this partner is acting as an agent. And again, I don't care what the seller knows. He is the mishaleach. And And I'll prove it to you. If a person makes a declaration, all of my belongings is Hagdish. Or if a person says erki olai, the dinam of erchen is when a person uses these words, my erch, I have to give to the base amigdash, then it doesn't really matter how much I personally am worth in a slave market, but the Torah, according to gender and age, gives specific amounts. So if I am in that amount that I have to give 30 sela, and I don't have it, the temple treasurer has the right to take my possessions to replace the money that I owe. So, so if they confiscate what I have, they cannot take my wife's garments, nor the garments of my children. It's not mine. It was not included. More than that, if I have clothing that I bought the raw material and I already dyed it, but I dyed it for my wife. I made it a color that a man doesn't wear. Any color other than white and black, it's not for men. So it's for your wife. Even though you didn't give it to her yet, even though you didn't give it to her yet, it's considered hers, and therefore the, the Beis Hamikdash cannot confiscate it. V'loy besandalan chadashim, nor nusus that you bought for them. Frek the Gemara improving amai lema nami mi oidiel latzaba shiyakrat sivaliyshtei. The dyer died it. The dyer didn't know that it's for that person's wife. And if when you do something. You can only affect the king into the right person if you know who they are, so it's not the wife's yet. That the husband was doing it for his wife. So he's like her shliach. Over there we say, and therefore, normally we say, or here we're saying the opposite. That the hand of the husband is like the hand of the wife because he's representing her. We don't care that the seller doesn't know who the owner of the money is because However, again, challenging the but but if he deviated, yes, according to Rabbi Yehuda, according to Rabbi Yechnan, deviator doesn't acquire it. So what? He doesn't acquire it, but it should never belong to the original owner because the seller doesn't know who he is. And Omar Rabbi says, Rabbi no, nisht. The reason by Hegdish, the guy cannot take the colored clothing is because the person who said everything that I have is Hegdish never had in mind clothing that he plans to give to her. Tak, it's not hers yet, but it was not included. 
The question is, the Mishnah didn't only speak about a guy giving all his belongings. The Mishnah also spoke about a person saying, Erki Yolai, the Gemara is going to ask it in a moment. If it has to do with what I had in mind when a person says all oh, my belongings to the base Amigdash, did he have in mind giving up his tefillin? But we learned that Amagdash Lechasov, Malum like tefillin, they take away his tefillin. Or they assess it and they have to rebuy it back. Amalei Abaya in, not a proof, Datesh Aladam al Tefillov. Person who says all of my belongings to the base Amigdash, she's including his tefillin. He's not including his wife's garments. Why? Hamagdash Lechasov, Savar Mitzvah Kavdina. He thinks he's doing a mitzvah. And, and so he thinks, what's the difference? It's a mitzvah to put on tefillin. It's a mitzvah to give it away to a donation. I'm doing mitzvahs. There's definitely no mitzvah giving away your wife's garments. It's not going to work. Why? Because it's going to generate animosity from them to you. One second. That Mishnah didn't only speak about someone giving up all their belongings. The Mishnah also spoke about a person who made an erech vow, who cannot pay it, so that Gizber of the Beis Amigdash is taking their property equivalent to that amount. And Vitnan, Hayavai Erkin, Memashkin, and Oisai. So the question is, Vichidatoi shall Adam al Atzmai Lamashkinoi. It, by by Erchen, it has nothing to do with what you intended. It has to do with the fact that if you owe money to the Beis Amigdash, they have the right to take what's yours. And if garments that you gave to a dyer, to die for your wife, if the kavana of the dyer is needed for him to know for whom he's doing it, and he doesn't know it's for your wife, so therefore it should still be yours, so he should be allowed to take it. That when a person says, all my belongings is to the Beis Amigdash, a new din, at that moment, it's treated as if he bequeathed to his wife and his children whatever they need. And the huge chiddush here is, normally, for me to give something to you, you need an act of a kingin. In a scenario where a person is either taking an erech vow, or a person is saying, everything that I own belongs to the base amigdash, being that this person doesn't want for his wife and children to lose out, at that moment, he gave everything to them. And even though there's no kingin, the gemiras das is so strong, you don't need a kingin. Another whole big sugya. The meikara. So let's just make a sikum. What's our sikum? We have here machlekes. On one side we have Rabbi Abohu siding with the Bnei Marava, who holds that the key is whether you are a shliach or not. And they hold that if I am not your shliach, but I'm using your money, the seller's intent is needed. The seller needs to know who the money is from. And if he doesn't know who the money is from, if I'm not your shliach, then the owner of the money will not acquire it. According to Rabbi Yechanan. Huh? Well, it's not his money. That's the whole issue. Maybe he... That's what it is. That's the, that's the whole discussion amongst the Rishonim. But that's just the, the key, the kernel here is, according to Rabbi uh, Yechanan, and this nice Rav Shmuel Bar Sasrati, and Rabbi Abba, they hold that whoever owns the money acquires it. That's, doesn't matter whether you're shliach or not. The owner of the money acquires it. The seller is selling it, he's getting money. The Baal Hamois automatically acquires it. So he was able to interpret the second b'raisa according to Rabbi Yehuda. I know it's a pity, it's late, we chapanayim, but uh, it's late. We'll start tomorrow a few minutes earlier, Mitzvah Shem at 6 o'clock.